Hello friends! Welcome to Life Without Limka. My name is Simran Chugani. I'm Pallavi Janyani. I'm Kirat Paveja. And thank you all for tuning in. We are so excited for today's episode and we're so excited that you decided to share a little bit of your day to spend with us. So today, in today's episode, we want to talk a little bit about our own mental health journeys. And um, we're hoping that through this process, you all can get to know us a little bit and we can also connect and be vulnerable and have that experience together. So sit back, relax, and grab some Limka. So I want to start today's episode by asking a question to Pallavi. Now, Pallavi, what was a defining moment in your mental health journey? Yeah, thank you, Simran, for that question. I think I think growing up, I barely heard about mental health. In some movies, I would see, you know, dyslexia being talked about or some of those more serious um, disorders being talked about, but mental health in the day-to-day was just not a topic. But I remember once I was in 10th grade, I started feeling really closed in in the school that I was in. I just had a lot of experiences being bullied and just um, not having the best of situations, having friends, you know, friend groups break apart and just things go all over the place. But I would try to tell myself, it's okay, it's okay. But it really wasn't okay. And then um, I, again, didn't know how to define it, what to call it. So I decided to just, you know, leave that school, start afresh when it came to 11th grade. Um, And then I went to this new school and in India, like you select like streams to study in and you select specific subjects. So my subjects were mostly business, but then I had an open slot. So for some reason I was like, oh, psychology sounds interesting. So I picked that up. And when I started, you know, attending that class and I had one of the best professors I've ever had in my life, I realized a lot that I was going through can, you know, be defined as anxiety. Um, Some of it can be defined as depression and a lot of other things. And after that, like, you know, that didn't mean like, you know, things are okay and like situations were solved, but being able to like take that class and really like learn about it in a very accepted setting in a setting that it was taught by a professional and it was um, like presented as valid I think allowed me to like name things um, that I was experiencing after that and be like this is okay this is as normal as going through something physical and you know it's all interrelated as well so I think After that, I was also able to like, uh, maybe not about myself, but talk about these topics to my parents and my other family members more openly. And it wasn't until very recently, like maybe a month ago, that I actually talked about like my experiences and like what I was and I'm going through with my parents. But I think like that time in 11th grade would be like that defining moment where I was like mental health. It is just, you know, a very normal and accepted part of our lives as it should be and how we should take it. Um, and, you know, there it's just something all of us go through, even if we don't have uh, a name to it or if those intensity levels are different. 
but yeah, that's just, you know, that's just my defining moment. But I would love to hear from Kirit, from Simran, like what, you know, for both of you was that moment. Yeah, so Pallavi, kind of like you said, like junior year, uh, 11th or 10th and 11th grade in high school was kind of like those key time periods for you. Um, I had similar experiences a little bit later, like end of junior year, beginning of senior year of high school. Um, and I kind of, that was the first time I think I was really like impacted by like my mental health, like my daily activities were impacted. Um, I've always been a super social person and just similar to you, Pallavi, it was going through some like friend troubles, like not even troubles per se, but just changes in our friend group dynamic. And it was impacting me on a level that nothing had ever impacted me before. And I think I realized like so much of my happiness relied on other people and like making them happy and doing things that um, like as a group and I wasn't really comfortable sitting with myself and um, just being by myself, which I think going to college, I realized is all the more important. Like if you don't have that ability to um, kind of accept yourself and love yourself sans other people, um, that's definitely a skill that you need to develop to pass a certain threshold, right? In like growing up and living by yourself in adulthood. Um, so yeah, I think I just realized that there's so much, there's so much stuff focused on like self-care and like we always hear about, oh my God, like self-care is the best key to mental health, but like self-care looks different for everyone. And a lot of times you need to go through that transitional phase to the transitional phase as in like kind of that defining moment of like, oh shit, like I need to, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> Like I'm that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think you really need to go through that kind of transitional phase to understand um, self-love and self-care and what that looks like for you, because the reality is it's not going to look the same for everyone. And so that was definitely the beginning of senior year was my like definitional moment where I realized taking care of my mental health is the most important thing that I can do for myself physically and mentally um, and it was important for me to find out what that looks like for myself and kind of stepping away from social media and, and finding what works for you. Simran, I would love to hear about your mental health journey. Well, thank you. And thank you both for sharing your stories. Um, well, I think, I think like Kirit, I, I get a lot of my happiness and just overall content by seeing the people that I love also being happy. And that's awesome uh, until you hit a threshold where it begins to hurt you and you begin to sacrifice a lot of yourself um, to make sure that the people around you are, are happy. And I think that's where a lot of my intrusive thoughts are rooted and that's kind of where I began to think about um, what mental health means to me. Um, but I want to back up a little bit. So um, growing up, uh, I didn't hear a lot about mental health, and I think it's definitely changing right now. Um, but even in high school, I mean, I had heard the word mental health, like just kind of tossed around, um, but it didn't really mean anything substantive to me. 
Um, and, you know, I had, I, I had taken a psychology class and we learned just very surface level about what, what mental illness is um, and what it looks like. And it was one of those things where I was like, like, I'm good. Like, it's not going to happen to me. Um, like, I'm like, I, I, like, I have a lot of energy right now. High school is, you know, it, it's high school, like, it's fine. Um, and, you know, I got a roof over my head. Um, you know, th this, this kind of thing is never going to impact me. Um, and then I got to college. And that's when I began to do a lot of self-discovery. And that's when I also had a lot of friends who suffer from mental illness. And um, I began to help them and, you know, support them in any way that I can. But I also saw some overlapping symptoms. And I saw that some things that I had kind of put on the back burner in high school um, were actually significant. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think the big turning point for me in my mental health journey um, was actually the COVID pandemic. Um, I think the isolation that came with it was very, very hard, um, especially since, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, like it, it's hard to socialize. It's hard to um, feel good by making other people feel good uh, because everyone's kind of going through a hard time. And so I put a lot of that um, pressure on myself. And, you know, that was a huge uh, detriment to my own mental health. Um, and so like the loneliness of the COVID-19 pandemic and just the struggles that came with it um, were and are, you know, very, very difficult for not only myself, but I'm sure so many other people um, around the world. Um, you know, another thing that really opened my eyes to what mental health means to me was actually my, my brother's initiative to begin talking about it. And you know, I admire and look up to him a lot for this because it took a lot of courage. But, um, you know, mental health wasn't really talked about in, in our household, but he began to experience very severe symptoms of depression and anxiety when he was a sophomore in high school. And it's because of his initiative um, that he took and spoke to our parents that all of us began to learn more about mental health. Um, and he's had some pretty significant struggles with, with mental health. And it's really kind of opened all of our eyes to the fact that not only should taking care of yourself and your mental well-being be normalized, uh, but that it's okay to talk about it. And it doesn't make a person any less um, or, or, you know, any less strong. Um, you know, and it's it's just inspiring to, to kind of see his journey and see how far he's come. Um, and also, you know, just big kudos to him for bringing up the conversation. Um, but in also like researching his condition and learning more about mental health myself, uh, I realized that, uh, you know, no one is really exempt from it. You never know. Um, you know, like I, I think it's I think it's very human to just feel sad or or just very anxious and um, recognizing that it's okay and recognizing that um, you're not alone in that struggle. You know, can be very difficult given the given the conditions that we are in and the world is in. But knowing that things are okay and knowing that you are not alone, I think, has been really really helpful to me. So that was really all over the place, but. Uh, that was a little bit about uh, my journey. 
Yeah, thank you, Simran, so much for sharing that. I think one thing that really resonated with me was like, no one's exempt from it. We always think that, oh, this is not going to affect me, but it does affect many people. And, you know, most people in their lives go through, you know, a period of sadness or something because we're human at the end of the day. So I think that's what these conversations and this podcast and all of it is about. But all of us also talked a lot about family and, you know, the people around us. So as, you know, over these past few years or even now, like, like, is there something that you wish your family, your friends, people in your community would do differently when it came to mental health and um, your journeys with it? Go ahead, Kirit. Um, I... So when I had kind of identified that, you know, this, this low is, is taking longer to overcome than, than usual or than I have ever experienced before. um, I think the first step that I took was talking to my school social worker and I talked to her a few times before and she was always super helpful, super nice. And so when she had, she had actually reached out to my mom and she'd been like, you know, like, I think you're this going through something. I think um, that, you know, seeking external help might be useful and it might, it might help her improve a lot quicker than, um, you know, like irregular support that, like, that her schedule allowed her to provide for me. And so um, I think initially when I had talked to her about my, about my, deteriorating mental health at the time um she was just kind of like oh like it's it happens like everybody is sad and like I feel like that is almost a regular response to have which um I kind of wish she had maybe taken me a little bit more seriously at the time but looking back I guess my conversation with her wasn't like super intense either so I don't think she understood like the severity of which of the situation at the time but Um, when she had, like, when my social worker reached out to her, she was super receptive, and, like, we acted on it, we, like, found somebody that we thought I would be a good match with, I started um, therapy at the time, and, like, I just wish that when kids were having that initial conversation, um, maybe, like, a little bit more receptiveness or, like, seriousness when it comes to, like, having that conversation with your kid and not just assuming, like, oh, yeah, like, they're gonna be better. And I'm definitely grateful that she, like, it was definitely just, like, an additional, the second conversation that happened that was, like, it clicked everything in place, right? She was, like, yes, like, I I see it. She needs help, whatever. And then we got the ball rolling. But, like, for a lot of people, that second conversation never happens, And it's like, it takes a lot to even have that initial conversation. But then um, I know, I know so many people that I love that have not been able to have that second conversation and it just slows down the healing process. So that's something I wish that had kind of been done differently. And I hope that subject kind of continues to evolve and like, there's more receptiveness just all around when it comes to conversation about mental health. Um, Simran, how about you? Like you were telling us about how your brother, um, had that conversation with your parents. Like, what did that look like and how did that impact you in the long run? 
Yeah. Um, I think, I think that conversation was very similar to yours. I think um, he really reached out to people that he trusted at school. And then um, those trusted individuals were able to reach out to our parents and that kind of facilitated the conversation that needed to, to happen. And um, they were able to get my brother into therapy and um, get him the help that, that, that he needs. Um, in terms of impacting me in the long run, I think it, it kind of opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, this is something that has persisted in my family for generations and yet no one has really talked about it. No one kind of warned us growing up that uh, this is something that you might feel and here are the resources that might help you. Um, and so going back to the initial question that, that Balavi posed is like, you know, what can your family or friends do to, to help you in, in that case? I think one thing um, that would be helpful is just some sort of early intervention and some sort of schedule time where family and friends um, can meet and do a weekly mental health check-in uh, type of conversation. Um, because I know just personally, one of the hardest things for me is just taking the initiative to get help or taking the initiative to um, just take up space or to vent even. Um, that, that, takes, that takes a lot out of me personally. And so just knowing that this is an open space that anyone can can use to get whatever they want off of their chest um, would be just very helpful. And I think just reinforce the support systems that um, a person has in place for them. Um, and so I think, yeah, just like weekly check-ins with family and or friends um, is, is, could be a very valuable option for, for some. Yeah, I would I would have to agree with that. I think for me, looking back, the one thing like, I was like scared about telling my parents what I was going through was like, they will feel like, you know, they will get worried or they'll feel like I'm being a burden now. They'll be like, why is this affecting our daughter? And like, you know, this is something that doesn't happen. And I think like, I think if families can start creating a space like what Simran was talking about uh, or just even, you know, in the day to day, like bring up the topic of mental health and its normality, I think that can just help um, that individual feel less like a burden when bringing up those issues because they're already going through so much. Um, and they're not being selfish in that moment. Right. So I think like just bringing it up more, not only you know when at the dinner table not only just asking like oh how did you score in your math exam but also asking like how are you doing <laughs> and how are you really doing not just the surface level I think um, that's all that it comes down to in the end. Yeah I definitely agree Pallavi it's so interesting how we're always like how are you doing and then like instinctual it's like oh I'm good how are you but like imagine if we actually took the initiative even just ourselves like starting with like how are you actually doing like going beyond the I'm good I'm fine um how do we like elongate that conversation to like show real real emotions um so like looking back I have a question for the both of you if you could talk to yourself kind of in a time that you think like you were really going through it 
Um, is there anything like you would say to yourself or um, even, I guess, extending the question to like the people around you? Um, is there, yeah, it, like words of wisdom that you would give yourself? I can take this one. Um, so one thing that I was thinking about recently and that my friends and I were actually talking about recently was that it's, it's very easy to analyze and then overanalyze emotions. Um, and if I'm feeling sad or if I'm feeling angry, um, it's almost this line of thinking that takes me back to my childhood. Like what in my childhood was a formative experience that made me angry about this? Or what about the world um, and how it interacts with my identities uh, makes me feel this way about this particular situation. Um, and I think analyzing can be beneficial, but to an extent, I think it's also a way, at least in my experience, it's been a way to really escape from feeling my emotions. And so if there was any piece of advice that I would give my younger self, it would just be uh, turn on Adele, turn on Billie Eilish and just feel the emotions and give myself even a set time of 20, 40 minutes and um, just cry if I needed to cry. Um, and, you know, get that weight off of my chest um, in a physical way. And, you know, I think, yeah, that, that's what I would say to my younger self. Just take time to feel your emotions. Well, Libby, is there anything else um, from your experience? That you yeah, I think in addition to that, like just um, finding the people that you trust to share this with, it does not have to, in every case, you know, be your parents or be your family. I think even if it's, a friend that you trust or if uh, it's therapy that you want to seek I think just like recognizing those individuals that you can entrust and telling them about it because I know for me like I have a cousin and I think I tell her everything and so including you know everything that I'm going through with mental health as well so even if it's just one person that you can latch on to maybe it's a pen pal I don't know like anyone um just finding your troop and like uh, people you can like really talk to this openly with because sometimes you know sometimes you just want to play music and forget about it and sometimes you just want to rant to someone and maybe this is the person you can rant to so um, yeah, I think that's just my perspective. Is there anything else, Kira, that um, you would add to that? Yeah, I totally agree with what the both of you said. Um, something that I wish I could tell my younger self is that it's okay, kind of what's similar to what someone was saying, like, it's okay to feel and you don't always have to be happy and you don't always have to be actively working towards being ecstatic all the time um and that different emotions are okay and they're and they're good that it's all part of a healthy cycle to be sad to be mad and like to work past it um but in the working past a process sometimes you need to sometimes you need to dwell and that's okay um and another thing like mental health looks different for everyone. For some people, it's meditating. For some people, it's exercising. For some people, it's art. And you don't have to fit the mold of anybody else's self-care. Find what works for you. We always talk about like a hundred different ways to practice self-care. 
Um, and it's okay to focus on one that makes you feel good and makes you feel like the million bucks that you, that we all are, you know, it's time to start embracing the, the million dollar mentality. Everyone um, has that potential and it's all about, you know, us being mentally healthy, physically healthy, emotionally healthy enough to reach it. Kirit, you mentioned um, going to a therapist. Can you tell us more about what therapy is like and um, how that was uh, beneficial to you in your mental health journey? Yeah, um, I personally had an amazing experience with therapy. Um, I think a lot of what you learn from therapy, like when I had just started going, it was like, here's everything that's going on in my life. Can you give me some answers? What am I supposed to do? What path am I supposed to take? Like, tell me what to do. And the reality is therapy isn't like that. <laughs> They're not, these counselors aren't like even life coaches per se, that they, you know, guide the decisions that you make in, and the choices that you make in your relationships. It's more so about um, them teaching you how to, healthily compartmentalize, healthily process emotions, healthily feel them and talk about them. Um, and they kind of equip you with the tools to make decisions that you know you already want to make. Um, I definitely think my biggest takeaway from therapy was um, it's okay to talk about your emotions and it's, it's healthy. And um, kind of touching on what you were talking about earlier, Simran, you know how you were talking about analyzing like what in my childhood um, experience, like what influenced me to think about things in this way or feel this emotion or react in this sense. Um, I think what therapy taught me was it's okay to think that way and it's okay to analyze to a certain extent, but that can't be your whole mindset and like, you can think about it and then you close the box and you put it away until you're ready to reopen it. Um, and only you can kind of decide when, when that is a healthy and good time for you. I want to add one small thing to that. Um, so I like did therapy for a few weeks. Um, and for me, like, I think it's important to recognize, like, all of what Kirit said, I think it's true, like, they equip you with the tools, but I think it's also important to recognize that you may not fit with the first therapist that you see, um, because, you know, the without going into too many details, like, the first therapist that I saw, she was South Asian, so I was like, okay, I'm going to relate to her, like, she can understand my experiences, but what I really felt in a lot of my sessions was, like, I was being talked to by, like, an auntie like you know like the way uh, she was conducting like that's just how it felt to me and you know maybe that wasn't my like that wasn't the right fit for me it can be the right fit for someone else so I think recognizing like it's not going to be magic um and like you and it's okay you know it's there's nothing wrong with you if um it's not working for you in that first instance when you feel ready try again I don't feel ready yet so I'm not trying again right now but I think recognizing that they aren't you know they don't have any magic wand that's gonna make it disappear um so yeah like find your fit and um just like work through it because it also takes time
Yeah, another super important thing, but Louis, that you touched on that I just want to explicitly say, it's not going to get better after the first time. And that is just the harsh reality. Um, it's something that like, it's like, okay, if you break a leg, it's not going to heal the first time you go to the doctor, they're going to put the cast on, they're going to tell you how to take care of it, you're gonna have to rest, you know, like, it's not like, exactly in Bullaby's words that they don't have a magic wand to make it all go away. And it's okay to experience that slow progress and learn as you go. Thank you for expanding on that, Kirit. Yeah, uh, self-love is, is a process and it's a lot of really, really hard work. Um, so starting that journey is very brave and very, very commendable. Um, and just like Kirit said, slow but steady. Um, yeah, it's, it's a process. So we just wanted to share a little bit about our mental health journeys and kind of um, the processes that we went through. Um, and we hope that you guys enjoyed listening to it and upcoming, we're gonna get a few more perspectives from people in the community, professionals, mental health advocates, um, and such. So stay following Life Without Limca for those journeys coming up. Thanks for listening to Life Without Limca. When the world comes crashing at your feet, it's okay to let others help pick up the pieces. If we're present to take part in your happiness when your circumstances are great, we're more than capable of sharing your pain. Rupi Gore.